The Bulletin. Right, uh, the guest on the bulletin this morning is uh, Nigel Yeldon and uh, terrific time to have him on as well with so much happening in the world of sport including of course the Springboks All Black Test match uh, which uh, we come in uh, on our screens uh, tomorrow morning. Nigel, uh, what are you hoping to get out of this? Result aside, a result important to you or what are you hoping to see? Oh, not really because Smithy, as you know, when it comes to World Cups it, it all starts afresh and what's happened before doesn't count for a whole lot, I'm, I'm sure. The squad would love a little bit of confidence um, with a victory, just like South Africa would. I think I really just want to see some continuation of the continuity of combinations. You're looking at some players that haven't played since, was it the last week of July? So you're looking at nearly a month without top-level rugby. The likes of De Groot and Lomax, in particular Geordie Barrett and Rico Ioane, who I think are going to be very key in the big games at the Rugby World Cup for the All Blacks. So you really just want to see those guys get in there, get the good contact, making sure that, that the structures that they've been working on have worked really well um, and that it's just a good, solid performance, of course, with the obvious caveat of being no injuries. Thank you very much, sir, for either side, if we're being completely honest. Although, funny mm. enough, I, I suspect, Smithy, that the box wouldn't mind if one of their backs went down so they could sneak Andre Pollard into the uh, World Cup squad. Just saying. Um, but overall, just you just want to see a really good performance. You just want to see a really good performance, solid outing. The result would be a bonus. But you want to see a reinforcement as well from, I guess, the coaching point of view that the structures they have in place in terms of their pre-game preparation is absolutely dialed in so that they are peaking at the right time. Because when you look at that Rugby World Cup draw, Smitty, it's, it's a little bit here and there. You've got two weeks to your first game, and I think it's a week to your second it's about 14 or 15 days to your third game and then a six-day turnaround and then you'd hopefully you're into to quarter-final mode. So I think it's a little bit of off-field stuff as much as it is on. Yeah, it's an interesting point you, point you make, actually. And, of course, the All Blacks uh, haven't got uh, France out of the way, uh, then face Namibia, uh, then they, uh, of course, face Italy and then Uruguay. So uh, games that you would expect that they would win and win quite comfortably mm. uh, across the board. So... How do you tinker then? I mean, with your, if you're Ian Foster, you're Jace Ryan, Joe Smith, how do you tinker around that? Well, I think the, the interesting thing is, is if you want to, Smith, you can play your top team every fortnight. So what I mean by that is you've got your, your game against um, France, then your, your secondary game is against uh, Namibia, then it's against Italy. So if you want to continue with the continuity of selection, you actually can with your top team because you can run them out against France in Italy, and then still have them fresh for a quarter-final. Now, obviously, you're going to have to use some of them in those other games, but again, you can rotate with regards to who you want to use against the likes of Namibia and the likes of Uruguay. So the draw actually is not that bad. I guess it's that gap in between games, but I'm sure players won't mind having two weeks to prepare for a big game over the course. So I I, I don't think it's actually the worst. So this group... As you know, Smith, they're smart. Okay, these aren't dullards mm. we're talking about. They will have this all planned out. They will be able to make adjustments if need be, if, if injury or be it temporary or permanent sort of happen. But but I actually think the draw's not that bad in the lead in. So fortnight, fortnight, a little over a fortnight. I think it's actually not bad the way it all plays out. So systems-wise, I think, that's what I mean. I think tomorrow morning's as much about reinforcing systems off the field as it could be the stuff they're trying to do on it. 
Mm, very interesting, actually. I, I, I can't wait for it for a game that means nothing. I, I actually can't wait for it. Um, <laughs> no, no, Nigel, I was, um, the, the Australian scenario with Steve Hansen and that has uh, been uh, done to death, obviously. But uh, there is a game, I think, that does matter for Australia. I, I think um, not so much the result, but the performance there is imperative. Australia v France. Yeah, absolutely. The same thing again. Eddie Jones clearly has an idea of what he wants to do. He has made some some big calls, and as Eddie does, you know, he he brings all of the heat and all the attention onto him, and takes the the spotlight away from the players. Now, when it comes to the field, comes to a game, the the players are back in the spotlight, but he's got all this attention on him. The 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 pre the pre departure press conference at the airport. Um, the Steve Hansen element as well, that, that helps a little bit as well. It's all looking at Eddie. It's looking at Steve. It's not looking at the players. And so Eddie, which he is very good at, has taken all that pressure off, and now they go out, they will play. We will see again whether they have made any more improvements. I thought the, the improvements between Melbourne and Dunedin were, were quite noticeable with the way they were trying to play, getting the ball into Samu Karevi's hands a lot more, having him as much of an instigator as Carter Gordon. So, let's again, let's see if they've been able to advance. Let's see if we see maybe a few things that you might go, oh, I wonder if Steve Hansen's just had a wee word here and there. But I think for the most part, again, Eddie's done a great job, and that will free up this young group to go out and just see where they are at, again, a week out from them getting stuck into things. Nigel, um, how have you rated the NPC so far? Has it been... Underwhelming. I mean, fan-wise, it t- appears to be under yeah. underwhelming a, a little bit. But what about the rugby as such, also? Yeah, I've, I haven't been upset with the rugby. I think we've seen some some very good games. We've also look. We've, we've seen some poor games. You get that in the NPC. It's not the first time. It won't be the last. Look, I, I think there are some teams that look like they are very good, even though it was, what was it the lowest scoring Ranfurly Shield game in fifty three years. Wellington still seemed to be on a decent track to me. I love the way Taranaki's actually set up Smithy. Yeah, they've already had their storm week. They get through it three from three, came up and, and really were very efficient against Waikato last Sunday afternoon. I like how they're settling in. Uh, look, Canterbury, Auckland, you know, I guess there's a few regular names there as well. But look, I, I think there's enough to, to tell us that there's good competition on the field. I mean, geez, I wouldn't have thought in a million years that Northland, I, I thought Northland could beat Tasman. I didn't think they'd you know, absolutely beat them up like they did last week in Whangarei. So that's great. Mm. I think it's a really good, even-looking competition. And I'm enjoying it. The quality of rugby is there. The quality of rugby definitely, des- definitely is there, even if the crowds aren't. Yeah, well, the crowd, and that, that is, uh, to me, very disappointing. But I, I think what we are going to see now is a drift away from the major stadiums. I think that's almost... Um, I think it's almost cemented yep. in now, isn't it? It has to be. Well, we were having this conversation prior to the game last Sunday at Waikato Stadium. I mean, Waikato is a province that's set up. If they can do it, and as Sky, as the lead broadcaster, agrees to it, they're set up to go and play a game out in Morrinsville at Campbell Park. They could take it round down to Tokoroa. They could take it to Memorial Park in Cambridge, Albert Park in Te Awamutu. That's uh, Bouncing it around the province like that would be really cool that the standard of those grounds has improved immeasurably and I'm sure there are other uh, venues too I mean Napier I mean with, obviously I think you'd want to probably try and get games at McLean Park as often as you could Smithy but you know 
McRae yeah. Park, uh, the regional sports park out Hastings, which has hosted Farrah Palmer Cup games. I mean, could you bounce yeah. around your part of the world a little bit with that team, given that it represents a reasonably biggish area? I, I think it's it's on the cards. I, I, I think uh, of the crowds that are going, Hawke's Bay's probably okay at this point. I, they may be considering it. Uh, Nigel, but I, I think at this stage the numbers are probably just just okay for them, and traditionally they have been. Uh, they've been great at the World Athletics Champs in, in uh, Budapest, the, the numbers and so the, the performances, mm. but perhaps not quite so. Uh, and it's impressive, or do we get our hopes a wee bit too high for New Zealand's performances? No, you hit it on the head, Smitty. I think with the performances that we have seen from our New Zealand athletes over the course of the last two years, um, I, I think, yes, uh, expectations... I think we're set, I wouldn't say they were set high, but I just think the level of expectation from the athletes themselves um, was set a little bit higher. So we are disappointed when Hamish Kerr doesn't make a high jump final that we all feel he should make. And I know Hamish feels as though he should have made it as well. We are disappointed that Eliza McCartney, who was jumping really nicely again, having overcome injury, couldn't get that clear, clear at four and a half metres. You know, for someone like a... Uh, Tory Peters, seven centimetres away from making a final. That's actually a really good result for Tory, but because that bar had been set so high, we are disappointed. Zoe Hobbs, 0.01 away from making the women's 100 metres final, the glamour event on the track from uh, the world perspective, and she was just minuscule margins away. It's a reflection of the standards the athletes have set for themselves, and I think, as you point out as well, I think now what the expectation from the New Zealand sporting public is with some of these athletes, because, you know, it's back in the public eye. It really is. There's people are talking about it and enjoying it. And it's a great spot for New Zealand athletics to be. It's brilliant. And I still think, mate, some, some very good signs still, you know, mm. 12 months out from an Olympic Games. Okay, Nigel, uh, great to catch up with you. Enjoy the weekend. There's so much to uh, absorb and uh, to take in. <laughs> cheers, cheers, man. As always, great, great to catch up with you. Thank you. Always my pleasure, Smitty. Love it. Yeah, Nigel Yeld in there, folks, uh, on the bulletin this morning. Uh, we'll be back uh, shortly. Uh, and in the next hour, of course, uh, we've got uh, Kazuma Kabori, this uh, young golfing sensation uh, who has uh, got a huge future ahead of him. But uh, just where is he sitting at the moment and uh, how is he pacing himself through this, uh, this magnificent uh, chance he's got on the world stage? Uh, it's 10.52.